My name is Alex Kashuta, and this is the Subversive Podcast. It's an excuse for me to talk to some of the most interesting people on the heterodox to heretic spectrum. Everyone from iconoclast philosophers to rogue scientists to real post-BuzzFeed journalists and our true intellectual elite, Twitter anonymous accounts. In short, they're quite subversive. Enjoy. Today I'm joined by extra dead JCB, the unnatural head, uh, the unnaturally preserved head of Dr. John Cook Bennett, uh, which is a convoluted way of explaining that this is a anonymous poster, which some of you, maybe a lot of you, will know from Twitter. Uh, some of you may not, um, but I think uh, he's he's quite a, a really interesting voice. Um, he's probably one of my favorite fo- my favorite posters. Sorry. <clears throat> Squeeze me, um, and yeah, I wanted to to chat to him about um, Mormonism and as as one layer of the conversation, but also about uh, a lot of other things that uh, we might agree or disagree on. So, so welcome. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for for coming on. Um, yeah, I I mean, as I as I mentioned, um, you are probably someone who's more vocal about being Mormon um, in this strange corner of the internet that we both uh, reside in. Um, and as a Romanian person who is so far away from the US and, you know, I mean, I tangentially know about US matters just because this is this is the culture of the world, but I know very little about, um, about Mormonism. And um, I'm curious, I mean, it's, um, it's a, you know, in, in a way it's, it's one of the, the most successful communities at the moment, I think, in, in terms of, you know, how I measure success, it's like, are, are you reproducing? Will, will you see, will you see the next century in, in, in a consistent way? So I think that's, that's quite admirable. So I don't know. Um, is there, um, I don't think there's an elevator speech for, for Mormonism, but if, if you were to explain it to someone who comes from a different planet, which I essentially do, um, what, what is, you know, what, what is it about Mormonism? Why is it such a, it's it's quite a, a powerful um, it's quite a powerful religion in the U.S., isn't it? Well, I, I mean, I don't know about powerful. I, so so, it, it's funny. There actually is an elevator speech. Um, <laughs> oh, good, perfect. Give me the elevator speech then. That you that you learn um, when when you serve a mission. But um, essentially, the 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 core of of what we believe, maybe as as contrasted with um, other Christian faiths, is is that. God calls prophets um, when he, um, that, that's how he speaks to people is, is, is through prophets. And, and the, the, the role of the prophet essentially is to guide you to the point where you can receive personal revelation yourself. So it's, it's um, Moses said, would, would to God that, that all of his people were prophets. So, so the idea being um, uh God chooses one person to receive revelation that that opens that door to everybody else, and um, the the idea being that when when the when the people rejected the church after the first century and killed the apostles, there was an apostasy. Basically, uh, basically, um, there's there's a parable that Jesus tells about um, 
the husbandman who who he sends servants and they keep beating up his servants and killing his servants and then he sends his son and they kill his son too and so the idea being there is a limit to how much god will do that and then he will sort of shut the door for a while and, and let people sort of um endure the consequences of their choices and then uh when the time is right and when they're ready he will send a prophet again and so the idea being that joseph smith was a restorer of uh of the gospel as taught by jesus and but also uh we don't have the idea that um that the gospel was something that was introduced in the in in the first century it's we believe that adam was a christian moses was a christian they, they the gospel has been the same the entire time and it's just revealed and then sort of uh garbled misunderstood corrupted and then revealed again and it's this uh continual process so that's probably the elevator pitch mm. if you're on a really long elevator ride <laughs> um it's um it, it is interesting because you you kind of have this idea as well i think in islam i might be butchering this as well but they do consider i think jesus a prophet and i think moses and you know abraham as, as prophets as well obviously i don't think you know <clears throat> that mormonism overlaps with uh, with islam but i think it's it's an interesting kind of synchronicity that you know there's kind of something central to abrahamic faith or maybe even pre-abrahamic i guess um if, if christianity is something that's uh eternal Internal, um that you know yeah there, there, there's something some some teachings that are are universal there yeah and I, I think uh maybe one thing that that people uh misunderstand is that uh you know we, we do believe that that the church is god's church it's his kingdom but um it's it's a lot more complicated than just everybody else goes to hell or everybody else is all wrong it's it's the idea that as a matter of fact there's 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 truth um in in almost all of these traditions at least in, to some degree and and so the idea is we we you know you want to go find what's true about what other people believe and you want to share that and, and and connect on that it's not about um it's not binary yeah that makes sense it's 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 interesting though because now now that you you were saying um i think I think that we we have missionaries from the Mormon Church here in Romania as kind of like foreign. I, I think they're they're Mormon. I don't think I've ever talked to any of them, but they they always are in pairs and they have a very specific outfit. <laughs> so I think is is that typical? Uh, yeah. I mean, so a lot of times we get confused for Jehovah's Witnesses, but um, typically the Jehovah's Witnesses don't have the black name tag, and uh, they sometimes it'll be like an older person and a younger person or a man and a woman. And that's not generally how we do it. It would, be, it would either be two young men, two young women, or maybe an elderly couple. That would be who we would send. Yeah, it's typically two young men. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. I've I've always because they, they they always seemed you know a, a little bit out of place. And I mean here in, in Romania, everyone that doesn't look you know that's not like squatting next to a BMW in a tracksuit looks out of place. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but. But one thing I've always noticed is that, you know, they were just, they had the, always the sunniest disposition, <laughs> which I don't know what it ties into, but they're, they're always having a good time. And I was kind of curious. Is that a good fit? Is that a good fit in Romania? I, I get the impression that there's sort of an Eastern European uh, 
Yeah, people are cynical here. They're, they're very suspicious of, of that, you know, like here, if uh, it's typically the snake oil sales salesman who laughs too much, you know, someone who wants to get one over on you. So people are like, hmm, you know, that's why, um, you know, the, the, the main church here is like Eastern Orthodoxy with like super thick layer of, of ritual and, you know, a lot of, you know, gilded icons. And it, it's all about, you know, all sorts of these, these ancient practices and chants and, and crazy, you know, almost cult-like um, style of, of, of rites. Um, so this kind of cheerful um, American flavor of, you know, come on, let's, let's chat about God. You know, people are a bit like, you know, hissing at that. <laughs> They're like, no, that's not what God does. God is stern. God, you know, God makes you, you know, uh, go to church and, and stand up for six hours listening to chants that you don't understand. That's what God is. So... <laughs> Yeah, there's just a different take. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I would say, especially in uh, our particular little weird circle on Twitter, um, there's a lot of respect for the aesthetic and and the the comfort with uh, with mystery and symbol and ritual. And I, I mean, we definitely have our own uh, analog to that in the temple, but um, as far as there's nothing really to match the the artistic legacy of orthodoxy and, and Catholicism, you know, and, and there's a lot of uh, frustration with the artistic inhibition of our people and 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 a desire to and, you know, it's it's easy to say, you know, why don't you go be the change and make something but like, you know, even even for myself, I, I feel that same um, inhibition. So I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, it's, it's also just I mean, what what accumulates after having a, a very old tradition and one that's, you know, was intertwined and almost equivalent with the state um, for, you know, millennia. So you, you, you accumulate some some heirlooms <laughs> if, if you're in that position for a while. Um, and yeah, you know, what's what is interesting here is that um, I just realized we do have a, a U.S. missionary religion that has really deep roots here in, in my hometown, especially. Um, and it is kind of a Southern Baptist uh, from from America who who's for some reason, their missionary efforts were very like highly, uh, I don't know, accepted here. Don't know exactly what they were doing, what the recipe was, but we have like universities, um, schools, all sorts of types of, I don't know, activities and things that are tied uh, specifically to, to, to Baptists, I think, you know, of, of like a, a, a U.S. Uh, direction, which I found interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would be interested to know like what the recipe is there, because that also seems like such a, a distant, a, a big cultural gulf to cross. Yeah, and it's the it's the kind of you know clap your hands evangelical style you know big tent style baptism, um, which is you know because I know I know some of these people and this is not like a something that you know was they, their parents had you know they were either uh, orthodox or they were some form of kind of Hungarian you know uh, Protestant or something but um, it's definitely a, a new addition and it's definitely after communism because believe me there were no American style religions here during communism um, yeah so is it, is it is it the same are, are they are they culturally still very uh, Romanian and, and and sort of still act the same way or have they kind of adopted sort of the mannerisms of they're very American <laughs> they're kind of like 
you know, the kids in seventh heaven, you know, if you remember that show. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they're, it's, I also think it might have been tied into some form of um, money transfers, but not, I don't want to sound cynical about this, but, you know, there were, there were a lot, they were dressed differently. There was a lot of, um, there were a lot of programs, you know, that funded, you know, I don't know, after school programs and things like that. So I think there was quite, uh, it wasn't, 100% a, a war of arguments. It was also, you know, we've built this thing for you here and, you know, it's a community and we have this, I, you know, ideology, have this religion here as well. And this is how we live in America. So I think that was interesting yeah. as well to people, you know, it was. Yeah, uh, and maybe not like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be totally cynical, but you, you know, you, you, you build a, an environment where everybody dresses a certain way and, you know, it just sort of rubs off. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's super aspirational here as well. Like, uh, you know, we look to the West and the, the West <laughs> here specifically is, is Hungary. And, you know, people already kind of dress a bit differently in Hungary. And then after that, you have Austria and that's already wow, super West. But if someone comes from, you know, the from the empire itself, from America and, you know, hands you a Twinkie, it's it's pretty miraculous. <laughs> You'll be like, OK, this is this is quite interesting. <laughs> what else do you got? <laughs> yeah. So what I also wanted to ask you um, is, you know, there's there's quite a, a lot of kind of a growing respect in in kind of you know rationalist, post-rationalist, whatever you know you want to call them circles, for the importance of religion. Um, but kind of one of the tensions that appears there is that a lot of people in this role kind of see it as a, a bit of an instrument. It's like, oh, you know. We really, um, we we really needed religion. We we come to the point where we realize, oh, you know, it, it's it's a really it's a really bad world where you don't have religion because you know coordination breaks down. There's all sorts of rationalist style arguments around that. Um, sure. Do you think that there's a way to kind of resurrect God in our lives just because we need Him? <laughs> you know, as a, kind of like as an instrument, or I is that? That sounds like you read my tweet. It was the same people who think they can kill God or other people who think they can resurrect him. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, you know, the short answer is no. Um, you can't, there's no, you can't fake it because it demands sacrifices that are not rational to make. Um, it, 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 the cost is too high for, for that kind of calculus as, as an individual you'd certainly like everybody in your neighborhood to live that way. Um, but, but a neighborhood full of people who want there to be religion instrumentally and want everyone else to do it, there's, they're not going to pull their weight. And, and, and that, but that, but that in, its, in itself almost is too, is too um, materialistic and too nuts and bolts of an explanation. I mean, yeah. There, there are people. So there are people who want to, to be more specific. There are people who want to imitate sort of um, Latter-day Saint family norms, and it's like, you know, I I I love my family, um, but I would not have I would not have walked this path without without um, believing against my better judgment that God wanted me to do it. Um, I, I mean, almost everyone I know who's done this can can look back on particular decision points where there was the smart thing to do and there was what they thought God wanted them to do. And and they chose what God wanted them to do and it worked out great, but there was no visibility on that at the time. And, and life is full of things like that. 
And so, yeah, you can't kayfabe it. You can't, you can't, you're not going to trick yourself. No. Yeah. The, the human animal sneaks in yeah, at, the, yeah. at the decision point to, to, to nudge you into the, the, the most self-interested path that you can take at that point. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's very true. And, and, and you can, and you'll find a way, I mean, like you'll find a way to, you know, suppose, um, suppose your marriage is rough. Uh, you're not going to make it self-interested in your mind. You're going to make it like, Oh, it's not fair to her. It's not fair to the kids. You know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to tell yourself a story and you're going to believe that story. Cause that's your, your brain is built to fool you. <laughs> like it, yeah. it has to be smart enough to do that. And, um, it's inescapable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of the conclusion that I, I keep bumping into. And, um, the, the issue with that is that the, the even harder challenge I feel is this, uh, the, the needed kind of collective epiphany that, that you would need to, to kind of actually, um, you know, get this done or whatever, um, actually convince people that, God isn't dead and he's just been, you know, uh, in the wings. Um, and even if, yeah, it's the thing is even if you're, even if you can get yourself on board, um, you can't raise your kids, friends and girlfriends and, and rivals and mentors. And there's this social fabric that, you know, a lot of people want to, um, a lot of people want to retreat and hide away um and just you know sort of homeschool and and not let their kids use the internet and and i am 100 percent sympathetic to that impulse but kids cannot you cannot provide the entire moral universe for your children it doesn't work and so there, yeah there does have to be this this collective understanding which you know the, the best solution that that i've come up with so far is just to reach out to the people that seem to get it and try to get closer to each other, try to make sacrifices to, to, to live near each other. Um, and we're moving in that direction, but yeah, it's, it's a big battleship to turn around for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and, and the, the problem is, you know, it's, uh, once you relocate to, to one place, these things tend to, to shift, especially now with, you know, everybody being able to move. I mean, you're seeing, you know, half of California move out, uh, kind of locust their way to Texas. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, how, how safe are you <laughs> where, where, wherever you decide to, to locate? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to deal with the fact that uh, there aren't really any geographic defenses anymore uh, apart from apart. Well, I mean, so when the, when, when, when Brigham Young, when, when they moved to the, the Salt Lake Valley, the explicit rationale was they'd be crazy to follow us. Like, because it's just it's totally undesirable place. <laughs> and, um, not anymore. Well, not anymore. That's right. And, 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 and there were, there were, there actually are, are, are prophecies associated with that, that like um, the, the people are going to get rich and they're going to bring in lots of outside money and they're going to, um, and they're going to screw up what, what we've built here. And um, not that outsiders are going to screw it up. We're going to screw it up. But a lot of that's going to involve uh, sort of conforming to worldly uh, standards. But, but yeah, it, there's no, um, you can't run forever. The, the, it's, there's too much liquidity. There's too much, there's too much ease of flow to, to, to wherever you choose to run and hide. And so um, I think you can, I think you can, buy yourself some time 
Yeah. But you view it as a rear guard action. You can't view it as a as a permanent solution. Yeah, that that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I've actually I, I chatted to 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 Curtis Yarvin about this about you know my my instinct to homeschool my kids and you know where how to how to how to build a, a very good bunker to keep them away from from the the maddening world. Um, but yeah, his, his take was don't, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't work that way. You know, children aren't idiots. They're not extensions of your, of your ego. You know, it's, it's, a, it's no. a narcissistic move to, to just, you know, try to, try to make them in your own image. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And, and you know, the, the, there's obviously sort of the, it's, it's interesting because you want, you want to counter the idea that like, oh, if you don't you know, just plug your kid into the Disney channel. They're going to hate you for, you know, they're going to be rebellious teenagers and they're going to like, there's clearly that that's a counter narrative. That's a response to something that's also unhealthy. Right. Uh, and, and so like you do have a role in directing your kid away from obvious pitfalls and kids while they're smart, they don't have great judgment and they're not great at, they're not great at knowing when they're being uh, lied to. Um, they're pretty good at knowing who cares about them. They're pretty good at knowing, um, at, at detecting um, genuine love. Um, and that's maybe an advantage that we have. Um, but, but you do have to, you do have to guide them and you do have to somewhat control uh, what they consume. Um, because you're 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 in the most sophisticated propaganda environment in human history, and we're just not we're just not built for that at all. And and so um, that's that's the balance that you have to strike. That's that's the challenge. Is is how do you um, how do you have your appropriate level of involvement in that process without trying to be your kid's entire universe? Yeah, that's that's definitely the challenge, and also kind of preempting you know kind of the the, the natural rebelliousness of, of the child because I, I see a lot of people getting into these lifelong screaming matches with their children because they're so entrenched in in their position about i don't know what what the the best life to lead is um and then you know kids kind of spin off and you know they they try to just do the opposite just because you know that's that's unfortunately how it, how it works um, well, I mean, so that's that's actually one of my hobby horses because I I'm not convinced that that is a human universal. Okay. Like I, I I don't I don't believe that. So so there's obviously like boy becomes a man wants to uh, wants to detach somewhat from his family and 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 exert some independence. Um, but I think that we have regarded as normal this really intense level of alienation from parents that you can't really find in any in any historic people since you know before like 19 what 30 like it, it, it's at like at the earliest and, and I, I think that there has been an effort to condition us to that being normal like that it's normal to have your kids poisoned against you and to have them loathe you and everything you stand for, um, that like that cannot possibly be the way that it works. And and when I when I talk to, because I mean you know I'm young enough to remember being a teenager, and I didn't have an intense rebellious phase, but I knew kids who did. And every one of them, when you dig down, 
it's like, oh, you're not, you're not crazy. There's like a reason that you're mad. Like, you know, some, some bad happened to you or, or, or your parents are, are really being stupid. Like it, it's, I don't think that it's normal or healthy. And, and, you know, I, I catch a lot of flack, especially from my mother who had a really wild uh, a teenage period when I say like, and, 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 you know, some of her kids did too. Some of my, some of my brothers and sisters had the same experience of, of kind of going wild. And so there's a lot of ego on the line when I say, you know, that probably could have been avoided. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I, I think that's, there's, there's definitely a lot of truth to it. And this is, this is kind of a, a bit of a meme now with, kind of blaming the boomers but there is something to the to to that flavor of uh, of individualism that you know only crystallized in, in the last you know less than a hundred years to to the level that it exists now that is really corrosive and that really gets you know like you were describing earlier that really gets those little wheels spinning in your head where you self-justify you know nuking your your whole life because it's not immediately expedient to the to the animal nature in you that you know uh, you know is this is this how i want to lead my life you know where do i want to go what what's the my self-actualizing path in life and i feel like that mindset really is you know i i, I can kind of see it in, in my parents generation i have to say it's it's that those those are the wheels and you can see them spinning in real time when, when they try to describe something or they describe you know, missed opportunities from their youth, you know, like there was actually this post, I think we both commented on it from this, you know, woman that was describing regretting having her children because she didn't get to travel in her twenties. And Yeah. Not that she didn't get to travel. She didn't get to travel early enough. Okay. <laughs> like she's like, Oh, I had to wait till my second son was a little bit older. And it's like, Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. I really think travel is, you know, the, the ultimate mind worm for, for young women nowadays. People, you know, you just need, I think you need to travel enough to know that it sucks. That's that's all you need to do. It's it's, it's exhausting. I mean, it's 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 nice. It's interesting for for a while, but after that, it's a slog. Uh, anyway, maybe maybe I'm just you know, I'm I'm not you know red pilled enough on, on the the virtues of travel, but also the way people travel nowadays. This is not like you're not like Alexander von Humboldt with your notebooks and going to, you know, be the cartographer of New Guinea. You're not really on an adventure. You're on no, rails. You're yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're going to the same chain restaurants. Oh my God. Zidi's Greek bakery that, you know, you have in every in every corner. And, you know, the center of London looks just like the center of Paris with, you know, a, f a few, you know, stuccos that are a bit different, but everything's a, a copy of a copy of a copy. And, you know, you get, you kind of get used to it. <laughs> and uh, um, and it inter the interesting part about that post was she was saying that, you know, talking about meaning, and you know, favorably comparing traveling in her early twenties to, I don't know, having a child in, in terms of meaning that children really, don't really give you any meaning. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, they don't that, automatically give you meaning. They don't automatically give you meaning. I mean, you have to start by not being a giant piece of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> there's tons of there's tons of uh, there's tons of nihilistic, obnoxious parents out there. But I mean, like. It's 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 one of those things where you know a lot of people catch the vision, um, sort of against their uh, not against their will, but 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 uh, naturally they catch the vision. And maybe some people don't, but but 
but you need to catch the vision. Like you, you like you need um, to create a space in yourself for that. And I think that obviously some of it's just some of it's just um, a willingness to look outside yourself, which 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 they're discouraged from doing, especially women are, are, are discouraged from doing that because they're told that like, oh, you're already, you're already primed to be so self-sacrificing. And, and, and the culture has already told you that you need to just pour yourself out for everybody else. And so no, take a stand, stop doing that. Um, and to whatever extent that was ever true in the fifties or whatever, it's not true anymore. And so it's, it's people who are essentially atomized uh, animals all alone are being told, no, 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 you need, to, you need to guard your boundaries even more effectively than you're already doing. And um, yeah, it's making them unbelievably miserable. Yeah. And it, I mean, in a way, I can understand why, why in, in the conditions as, as they are given right now, like if you're a young woman, you know, you're going off alone to college. Um, and if, if you are like naturally a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more, I don't know, empathetic or, you know, a little bit more prone to neuroses and fear and things like that, you kind of have to steal yourself um, psychologically to be able to navigate all this stuff alone, away from family, away from friends, you know, then you get a job where you are expected to kind of elbow your way up into through the ranks, you know, with with men, with other women, which are, to be honest, <laughs> much more vicious than, than the men you were encountering in, in the workplace. So there's all sorts of, you know, crazy pitfalls. So I kind of, I, I can understand why people would, would recommend that. But like you said, you know, this, this well, isn't... Like, and, and the victimization hasn't stopped. Like, the... <sighs> It's just happening like it's it's instead of instead of willingly sacrificing yourself for the benefit of someone who you love and who loves you, it's just being just victimized anonymously by people who don't give a shit about you. And like the whole the whole Tinder culture and and I mean even employment is is so transactional even more than it ever was in the past. It's it's so um there's no loyalty. There's no identity in that. And, and yet they're, they've been, they've been memed into thinking that that's like, that's like their path to self-actualization. And, and it's one of those things that you don't, you don't really internalize that it's bullshit until you're several years in and you're looking at, you're looking ahead and you're seeing, and, and there's so many things are like that in life. So many things um, you have to make the decision at a, at a, at a decade lag from when you're going to find out if it was the right decision or not. And, and, you know, it's, it's easy to blame this. You know, you talked about the, 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 uh, the moral turpitude of the boomers. And I, I think, I think to some extent, it's just technological. It's just that things, things have changed so much that like, you know, I can't look to my parents for it. Honestly, people can't even look to me for advice on, on dating right now, because I got married before Tinder and all that. And, and, and the landscape changes so rapidly that you don't have this connection to mentorship and you don't have the confidence that someone can, can shepherd you sort of safely across that, that path. Um, and so obviously, you know, maybe, maybe we've, we, we've probably abandoned too many moral universals on that basis. We've probably assumed that there's less that we can learn from our mentors than there is. But I, I think um, part of that is we're having to detach from 
this sort of very particular guidance from our parents and grandparents. And, and maybe that's the whole trad thing is we're sort of, we're sort of casting the net way back and we're seeing like, all right, how have people always lived? What always worked? And like, what transcends the particularities that we have no guidance on? Um, and that's, that's also, you know, imperfect. And, and I, don't, I, I don't consider myself trad at all. I don't think that that's the right label. Yeah. Maybe I'm just saying that because it's played out, but, but I also don't. I don't identify with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange, it's a very strange label. I mean, I, first time I came on Twitter and just was posting about, I don't know, differences between the sexes. You know, I, I was getting messages from people like, oh, die, trad scum. That's when I found out I was trad. So yeah, it's it's a very loaded thing. Um, but yeah, I, I like what you were, you're, you're empathizing in, in it. And I think that's, you know, if there, if there is to be a trad movement or whatever, whatever it is, um, it should be focused on the timeless rather than um, kind of like some some weird concept of tradition that you know it, it is pretty hard to interpret. I mean, you you come from the Mormon tradition. I come from you know a, a Eastern European you know surf stock with a strange uh, you know we're Catholics in my family, so all sorts of weird combinations here. You know, the, tr the tradition itself might be a little bit different, but there are you know there are things that overlap. Uh, and there are things that are timeless. And I think that, you know, a big challenge for, for people like us or whoever is interested in this in this space is to kind of whittle away the excess and, and figure out what is timeless. But at the same time, it's, it's really hard to do um, because it's, you know, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of a personal project. Uh, and I guess to you as well, but you're also plugged into a tradition, which is, you know, it does help. Well, I mean, you know, you can't be, you can't be that trad if you believe that your ancestors for 1800 years were sort of suffering in the dark and then there was a revelation and that changed everything and everybody needed to get on board, which is what we believe essentially. I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, we don't, we don't uh, cop to the label that it's sort of an, a new movement because we believe that it's obviously ancient, but clearly like the idea of people needing to abandon old ways of doing things i mean it, it is a majority convert faith still um at least last time i checked it's it's the majority of the members of the church are converts and then an even bigger majority are immediate descendants of converts and so <clears throat> and and also just from my own sort of mentality thinking about it um if if i could be um I can't remember what what Moldbug's name for the, the the cosmic dictator with Nargle or whatever. Um, if I could be the cosmic dictator and just impose my will and put us back in the fifties, well, in ten years we'd be in the sixties. And, <laughs> and you know, you, you, there has to be something new. And I actually, I actually um, have been developing sort of a theory on this, which is I don't think Cthulhu always swims left. I don't think progressivism is inevitable. Hmm. I think I think. I think change is inevitable. And so um, I think what has happened is, is fundamentally a reversal of the, the masculine and feminine roles in, in prospecting versus preserving of, of information. I think, I think the, the, the masculine role is prospecting and, and going out and, and finding what there is to find, finding the treasure, slaying the dragon, bringing it back home. And the traditional feminine role 
the psychological feminine role is to preserve what you have, keep everybody safe, keep everybody together. And so it, it's funny how the polarity has been reversed where progressivism is viewed as feminine and conservatism is viewed as masculine. I, I, think, I think it involves an abdication of the, of the masculine imperative to go proactively prospect and find and, and go get the new thing. And, um, and so it, it's, it's a really unhealthy dynamic now, but the, 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 the sense in which Cthulhu always swims left is that whoever's coming up with the new ideas comes up with 50 new ideas. And, and that's, the, that's the sort of um, psychologically progressive element, not politically progressive, but psychologically progressive is you go find out 50 new ideas and you bring them back. And then the, the feminine element chooses from among them. The feminine element is the one, it's, it's sort of a man, man proposes, woman disposes, right? Um, the, the feminine psychological element is the one that chooses from those options which we're going to go with. And obviously, some of those will be chosen. And so in that sense, change is inevitable. But there is a strong, but, but conservatives have a lot of voice in what gets chosen. Because I mean, if you look back, like the, the, the progressives certainly didn't get their way on, uh, on like NAMBLA and all that stuff. People underestimate how weird the 60s were <laughs> and, and how many weird ideas were going around. And the ideas that got picked were the most... Um, mimetically robust the least scary the most uh apparently just and that's not to say that they were right but just that um it wasn't an inevitable choice that was foisted on us um people don't when you make it like this propaganda mind control thing you remove the you remove the element of choice and, and the fact that we all participate in this and 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 yes we're choosing wrong we're choosing badly um but we're all participating and yeah. uh, one of the things I, I say sometimes is, is clean houses don't get roaches. Like, you know, these things have crept in because of moral weakness on the part of everybody, not just yeah. some little padre. I think, I think you're, I think you're, you're very right about that. And I feel like, you know, like you were saying, you know, what kind of what, what the, the, the psychologically feminine is and the psychologically masculine, <clears throat> there, there's also a lot of burden in these categories. And I think a lot of people took the the license of uh, you know whatever phenomenon happened in the '60s to mean that they can finally unshackle themselves from the burden that these categories represent and that these polarities represent. Because yeah. being a man is fucking tough if you really want to make it. Um, being a woman is quite restrictive if you if you you know if you fall into kind of the those, those typical categories. So people didn't necessarily want to stick to these these things, and I can understand why. Um, sure. yeah, but at the same time, you know, if you, if you kick out the, uh, the constraint, you kind of also kick out the, the opportunity for virtue. Um, and you also start a domino effect that leads to this, you know, sexless generation that we, we now have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, especially because, um, you know, it, it trickles down to, to things like, you know, the, the birth rate as well. That's something I've been thinking about quite a lot because now I'm going to have a baby and uh, it's, it's an exciting time. Thank you. It's, it's, it's a really exciting time for me, uh, you know, thinking about this stuff and, you know, 
you know, thinking about my life from now on, but also, uh, you know, looking at the graphs and looking at, you know, what's, what's going on with the rest of the world. And it doesn't look good. And I think there's quite a, it's a new batch of, um, of results from, from the U.S. What was it like 1.6 something is the fertility rate at the moment in, in quite uh, traditionally pronatalist U.S. Um, I don't know. What's, what's your feeling about that? It seems quite, uh, quite shocking. Well, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a stage of that, of that process where I think it was around kid number three, where I was like, all right, I've made it. And, and, you know, my line will continue and I've succeeded. And, and, um, and maybe the low birth rate isn't such a bad thing because that'll, you know, make my, my kids more successful or whatever. But um, it rapidly turns from, uh, there's a lot of guys, I, I think, on Twitter who think that they're just going to go get a girl pregnant and then that will be success. And it's like, no, pretty much as soon as that happens, your mindset changes from like, shit, what about my kids? What are they going to do? Um, because there's no guarantees for them and they're going to have a harder time than I did. So what, you know, what's the solution? And, and I am, and this is a big part of the psychological purpose of having kids is that it forces you to think about the whole system because you, there's an extent to which you are in control of your own destiny. Um, but if you have, you know, N number of kids, then it's like, I got to start thinking big picture. The system has to succeed or I don't succeed. And um, I, when I say the system, I don't mean, you know, USG or anything in particular like that. But there ha something has to survive. Somebody has to carry the fire or else um, my success won't mean anything. And, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think even within the church, there's, there's a lot of anxiety about that. Um, and I think we are headed for it's really gratifying when, when uh, people on Twitter talk about how based the church is and, and how, uh, and how inevitable our success is. Um, but from the inside, um, we are not immune to the same currents that are dragging everybody else down. Um, I think we, we have a better shot than maybe some others. Um, but I think we're in for a wide scale apostasy certainly in the next 10 years, maybe, maybe 15, but mm -hmm. uh, because, and, and, and the thing is, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not concerned about sort of the kingdom, like, like uh, uh, God is in control and that will, that will not be impeded, but I don't want to lose all those people. I don't want them to fall off the boat. And um, what's going to happen is are uh, people moralize being polite. And they moralize being respectable and civil and decent. And the problem is that that gives the that gives the sort of woke mind virus a really convenient receptor to just jack into, which is you're not being civil, you're not being decent. Your your opinion, no matter how you express it, is indecent and it's hurting people. And um, our our people tend to be pretty um, pretty gentle, pretty agreeable, pretty herbivorous. And um, I think what is happening with Desnat, and there's, I mean, there's certainly, I, I mean, some excesses happening <laughs> on that front because, because there, it, Desnat fundamentally, I don't, I don't think people on the outside understand to what extent that is a rejection of the culture that we were raised with. 
Um, what is Desna? I keep I keep saying this. I'm, I'm not I don't I'm not sure exactly what the what the defining elements of it would be. Well, so it started as a goof. Uh, it, I mean, it, it started from like the whole Nazbol thing. Uh, it, it it means Deseret Nation. Um, Deseret being the name for the uh, the original um, Utah colony, um, which which spanned from like San Diego to Idaho to Arizona. Big, huge swath of the southwest that that was sort of claimed by brigham young um and colonized also i mean we we, we colonized from from canada to, to to northern mexico um but anyway so so des nat was sort of you know it was it there was sort of a kernel of guys on uh twitter who were um significantly more uh hard right than i think the median um and it, it became sort of because because when I first got on Twitter, it was if you said anything about the church, there was like 200 uh, progmos, pro, uh, progressive members of the church that would come and just tear you apart. And so there was sort of this evaporative cooling process where all of the people who gave a shit about that left Twitter. And and so all that was left was this hardcore of like, fuck you, I'm going to say what I want. <laughs> and um, and that became this. Uh, this seedbed for for this group of people and like i don't mean to overstate like they're not they're not like nobody's gonna blow up a federal building or anything, but like they're they are uh willfully uh rejecting the idea that they need to police what they say in the name of civility and uh it's sort of i view it as sort of a necessary corrective um but also that there's probably a synthesis that needs to be found <laughs> if that makes sense yeah yeah definitely because jesus did jesus really did say agree with your enemy quickly and he really did say you know don't say thou fool because you'll be in danger of the judgment and all that so like you know it's it's uh i don't know what and and the, the response to that always is look at the scriptures look at look at how the prophets talked look at how they spoke to the enemies of the church they were not uh nearly as politic and and and, and gentle as we tend to be and so it's like it's again it's this looking back to like i don't think my dad was right what about two thousand years ago what were they doing and <laughs> um and you know so so and, and i and i don't know the answer to that I, like i don't know what the right uh level of giving in to the enemy's frame is if that makes sense because yeah. that's 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 fundamentally what we're being asked to do with all the civility stuff it's 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 uh you need to acknowledge that that if I declare what you say to be hurtful, then you're not allowed to say it. And um, yeah, anyone rambling now? But yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I I completely agree. I feel like the 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 main um, frame for this is is, is racism. Like th this, the the frame of racism is completely universally accepted um, yeah. in in the mainstream, and it's like essentially. There's people who have invented the frame, the people who, you know, invented, you know, the concepts like microaggressions or mis misspelling someone's name as a, as a symptom of racism. They own the frame. If you, yeah. if your, if your next position is like, no, 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 actually, they're the real racists, then that's not a winning argument. <laughs> right. Like, you know, going to the Vatican and making the best Protestant uh, arguments you can, you can come up with. Nobody cares. <laughs> this is cares. this is not your city. So yeah, yeah I feel it, like I, 
we need to re i mean i i definitely reject the frame like if someone tells me stuff about racism i i, I just tune out i know it's i know it's uh, it sounds absolutely startling to most people nowadays but it's like that's not how you can run a conversation but yeah sorry interrupting well no it's it's um and 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 what would the arguments that we get into is like uh people who are sort of the more gentle civil uh they call them mormies <laughs> uh types are you know they come in and they say you guys need to be nicer you guys need to be uh, more respectful and what inevitably happens is our guys will be like look you're only here because we cleared this space you're only here because we were so obnoxious to these people that we hurt their feelings and they went away <laughs> and 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 um so like you you get to exist here because of the way we do this so go to hell basically and and um again like i i do i do believe that like you know one of the, i mean this is something that i love about like you know i'm saying this sort of in a negative way a derogatory way but i actually love that our people are gentle and friendly and agreeable and and want to be welcoming and want to uh want to get along with everybody um but it's there there has to be somebody to protect that mindset there has to be you know, you, you can't just have a garden. You have to have a wall around the garden. You have to weed the garden. Like um, this, this, uh, this, this herbivorousness and this, this like desire to just surrender to, to all of those claims. It's sort of like, I want to go back to Eden and I want to never have to fight. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, you don't get to not fight. You, you can either fight or you can die. And um, there, there's, Again, it's challenging. I, I think I think I think the the I, I think of the progressive Christian mindset as sort of Sermon on the Mount fundamentalism, where they take the maximally unreasonable, the maximally uh, self-destructive interpretation of everything Jesus said, and they're like, "That's what you have to do, or you're not Christian." And obviously, you know, you can obviously point out that they don't do that themselves, and there's a lot of hypocrisy there, but it is more challenging to make the case that like Jesus wasn't saying what you're thinking, what you're saying, he's saying he, that, that, that there was sort of a role for firmness and, and saying no and having boundaries. And um, because that takes some exegesis, right? Cause then you have to talk about like, well, what about this other scripture where this thing happens? It's, it's not as simple as just like, you're a hypocrite. You don't give a shit about this. So stop telling me stop telling me what to do um yeah, yeah it seems like a, a lot of the arguments you know if, if they're if people are coming towards you from from a position of like moral fervor and they are asking uh they're they're asking something positive of you they're they're pushing into you um it's it's really hard to 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 argue with that because typically they're asking you to 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 prove a negative like for example yeah. with with you know racism or whatever systemic racism which is kind of this this miasma um that you know you how how are you going to prove that systemic racism is not is not at fault you know it's right. it's, it's it's absolutely impossible and they know that and that's why you know people like candy you know are are out there making a mint because literally no one will will has the power like just the, the the argumentative power to to prove beyond all doubt that these nefarious mysterious forces are not at work so it's right. it's it's a really tough one i think you know with with 
with any other form of, uh, of of moral fervor, you kind of get to that point where someone comes and make a positive statement, especially about something, you know, a little bit nebulous, hard to prove, then, you know, you've got your work cut out for you because it's, it's going to be really hard to push back if you don't have that level of moral fervor, which people don't anymore. Right. And you, you I, I think you have to view, like, people talk about it being a, a Christian heresy as a way of sort of like trying to own them like by by being like oh you're just it's just a religion to you or whatever um but like hey first of all religion's not bad and, and second um it, it you have to view it as a religion in order to understand the demands that it's making on you. because what they're saying fundamentally is we have the mantle of christ we we are even if they're not doing it they are demanding that you do what they say christ wants you to do it's always framed that way. It, it, it does not exist outside of a Christian context, which is part of why the Chinese are so sort of bemused by it. It, like, it, it means nothing to them. Um, and yeah. uh, You had a, a really good tweet uh, about this. and I thought it was really, really snappy and it kind of summed up everything. Um, a, a political religion is just a religion that you actually believe in. And I thought, yeah, yeah that's, that's 100%. it. <laughs> 100%. And, and, um fundamentally the the problem with our people it's not that they are about to um at least they don't think of themselves as like oh i wonder if the gospel's wrong and wokeism is right what what's going on in their mind is like what if this is really the demand that the gospel places on me it's 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 literally almost spiritual hiv it's the it's the it's the immune response of the system being used to attack the system and um which is sort of uh cunning and kind of a lucifer like it's impressive uh yeah. that, that we're able to, to deconstruct it that way but it's interesting that it, it works i mean obviously they it's clear that there's a there's a loop uh, a loophole and there's a there's a quite a wide open gate for for it and and you know the agreeableness of, of mormon people but i feel like it's it's a very nifty mind virus for even you know the kind of liberal rationalist mind where yeah. you know the the kind of the the, the, esch the eschatology of the, the rational mind is progress you know that's yeah. you know it doesn't have to have a name it's like it's just you know the, the luminous future it's you know hardcore utopianism um and if if uh not getting over biases or, or ancient uh you know constraints uh mind viruses like racism isn't part of the the future utopia then what is so i feel yeah. like that people it's it's just very easy to to adopt this frame and to think okay once we once we purify the, the human animal from from all these you know tribal constraints you know you hear about tribalism and things like very dark yeah. things like that then only then we'll be able to to usher in the, the the utopia well and i think that they i mean liberal rationalists are fundamentally christian too i mean the, the whole concept of human equality um it started as equality under god it, it's not not and and you know maybe that's deeper than just christian it's at least abrahamic yeah. um there is no doctrine of fundamental human equality outside the abrahamic faiths um to the to the extent that it's discussed at all there is an explanation for human hierarchy in other traditions and um so so it, it's not just um 
like they might they might be atheists but the but the god they don't believe in is jesus and yeah. it, it's it's very clear that way and 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 it's again talk, talking about this from like a disease point of view it's it's like the, it's like the disease short uh, sheared off the receptors that that they used to pick up religion um and so it got in unawares and 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 i mean fundamentally the enlightenment project and, and sort of the, uh, the 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 toleration that was extended um was fundamentally them asking the question uh is 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 our religion more important than everybody not dying <laughs> and and they and the answer was well it's it's not quite as important as everybody not dying and which is an a, a, an understandable response in my view because i think those religions were wrong and so like yeah you, you probably should have just stopped killing each other about over it because it doesn't matter because you're both wrong but um but uh the process of making that choice it's like well what else is my religion not quite as important as and 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 it it, it evolves into this um well my religion is sort of a funny hat that I wear and I'm not going to get mad at the other guy because he's got a different funny hat on us you know we like all the hats it's it's you know like it, it, it's uh it's it's the way liberals think about culture now where you know it's just everybody's got a different culture and everybody does things a different way and it's okay and you know I think if they <laughs> I actually think if they'd done more traveling uh they they would realize that their um their disgust response for uh the racism and the homophobia and the you know everything else that exists everywhere except here uh would cause them to reevaluate that but travel is mostly a fantasy for them so it, yeah and it's completely yeah that that's the thing yeah it's most most of what's considered travel in the west is completely sanitized you know even if you go to a, a third world country you go to like a you know resort worst case a, a very western hostel for a few days you know you try to try to skip some some dysentery and then you go home it's like not it's not the experience um no yeah but but they tell themselves that it's the experience because it's it's they go to this they go to this environment where everything is calculated to please them and then they come home and they go oh we're all the same every it was so wonderful everybody was so nice to me and it's like well yeah because you had you know a bunch of benjamins in your pocket like like obviously everybody was nice to you like you know even if you had the, the the pink hair shaved on one side, you know, you they they found people who were willing to be nice to you. Um, but that's not the reality. And so and so this this process, it's it's a lot like the universities where um they where the, the, the adolescent rebellion and the political activism is explicitly a consumer experience. It's you or your daddy paying for you to go play rebel for a while. Mm -hmm. And and to have all of the bourgeois morality that you were fed just recycle back to you um and so it's uh it's a completely closed loop there's no escape from it well i mean they could escape from it if they wanted to but like they don't have to and um it's kind of an open question how long that closed loop can survive yeah yeah i mean i've 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 got a little bit of hope with people just seeing the the apocalyptic fallout of the millennial generation and you know maybe saying hey time to to turn the ship around <laughs> maybe maybe we can avoid the rocks but um i think at least one one or two generations have to go down and in, in, in flames to, to to make that happen uh and that's i hope the question. how much uh, i mean that's the that's the scriptural question <clears throat> it's, never, uh, 
it's never is this going to end are the people going to repent it's it's how much pain how hard do they have to fight it before before they'll turn yeah. around and and how how is this age different and how might you know the, the fact that we're, we're in this weird technological space influence how much people can take because if you if you listen to, to people like you know like tyler cowan or, or people who are like these you know kind of um relatively level-headed libertarians <clears throat> they see like the the world is going to be these essentially um pleasure farms for people who uh you know are, are, are disposable to the system that you know get their ubi or whatever type of welfare uh and they just you know hook up to some some sensors and and that's life and then there's the the enlightened uh you know people who are can still be productive doing something interesting or whatever or or working their heads off like like today uh the people who have i don't know the social mental capital to be in there in the, those spaces being kind of this you know five percent elite towering over everyone um that's i don't know that sounds scarily plausible just looking at the trajectory <laughs> of, of things right now i mean i i gotta believe that people won't tolerate that i mean it's it's wealth like you know people say that people say that, that that wealth makes people evil or that it's or that's corrupting um i don't think that's true i think wealth insulates you from the consequences of your choices such that the the band gets to stretch a lot further before it hits you uh, and and i am uh, the, the reason that i'm skeptical of that is i don't believe that the productive capacity of of the society um can keep up I don't think it can provide people with a, a, a wirehead environment that they will find satisfying. Um, and I also think that he really overestimates the extent to which the work can be done by robots, like uh, uh, cost effectively. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that the, what they do is they imagine infinite time and they say, well, if, if we have just infinite time to run this out, then obviously eventually somebody will come up with a technological solution and 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 singularity is inevitable but um i don't know how you can look around you right now and say that we have infinite time say this society is going to sustain itself long enough to accomplish all that i i think there's an insulation from the extent to which normal people are utterly fucking miserable and um and i don't think you get violence until until people are literally like hungry but but people are ready to turn to flip the table over in my opinion yeah and and even even more so because you know this this whole you know pleasure farm idea is based on the fact that you know pleasure doesn't have diminishing returns and doesn't essentially at one point turn against you and in, in, a, in a vicious fashion and then the idea that you're just going to have these people be pacified by their state like you know I've been on the internet long enough to know that, you know, most people who are in like the, the Coomer, Coomer basements are absolutely freaking miserable. And, you know, they, they tell you about it and, you know, they would change their life if they could. It's not like, Oh, you just kind of deactivated them by, by sticking them in the, in the sensor pool or whatever. So it's, it's, you know, you're creating a disgruntled underclass of people who, you know, might chill out for a while, but it's not like you've just, you know, you've stored them somewhere. You know, these are still still people. Yeah, and 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 part of the way that they, I think I think you know you're going back to the fertility thing and 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 sort of the uh, 
the issue of microplastics and the things that various things that we're doing that, that harm our endocrine systems and, and, and make us less fertile. Um, I think part of the reason that those things aren't getting looked at is because they are quietly viewed as desirable. Um, because even if someone's miserable, if they don't have the will or the courage to, you know, go do something rash, um, then then they're 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 more or less safe. And and that's that's I think the the, the darkness that's hiding behind this is not that um, everybody who proposes that as a solution knows that if they were the underclass, it would make them miserable, and they would despise it, and they would despise themselves. But they want to believe that that the 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 proletariat is fundamentally spiritually different than them and that they will tolerate and and there's an effort to sort of no see that's that's not true i don't believe there's an effort to to make that happen i think i think it's happening environmentally and because it's advantageous to them they don't give a shit about fixing it um as far as ruining everybody's endocrine systems and 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 destroying them spiritually. Yeah, to, to be honest, I think that's that's the same thing to be said about about lockdowns. You know, there's a lot of talk about you know how lockdowns are this you know top down conspiracy, and they were planning the lockdowns for years. And I I know there's you know some people saying this, but I feel like I I, I don't trust the, the coordination potential of of states. They seem to me very fragile, very very knee jerk, and very narrative led. So I think once the lockdowns were implemented in China, everyone kind of had to make a case of why why not to lock down because apparently it worked in China. So they had to they had to lock down, and then lifting the lockdown. Oh, that that requires act activity. You know that you why should you lift it? You know if it's if it's working, maybe you'll kill grandma. So it's you know a, a lot of this stuff you know st starts kind of wildly and then is kept in place because because of alignment with with other interests and you know it's it's easier not to change something because you know it's, it's uh, it, it works on on different levels yeah and you know one of the things that's sort of uh mystifying to me personally is like i don't believe like you're saying i don't believe it's a conspiracy i don't trust the coordination potential of of states but it is so weird that there are so many different and seemingly unrelated phenomena that all seem to sort of privilege that kind of state power and, and make them stronger. And it's like, that's got to be God or the devil, because I don't know who else could be, <laughs> who else could be uh, just militating against sort of the, the, the social fabric. And the argument that it's God is like this, this, this babble has to come down. And, you know, maybe there's some truth to that. Um, but I don't know. I don't I don't have a really good answer to that. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's it's also <clears throat> it's almost like a test, like a like a, a natural experiment to see how over socialized people actually are and how, you know, narrative led um, they are. And the they can they can it get. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the result is very, 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 very surprisingly. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't even believe it. Like, uh, I don't know, you know, I think the, the mask mandate in my city started in October. They said that maybe, maybe if we're good, they're going to lift it in July or no, in, in, in August. So That's nice. we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I've stopped wearing it a, a while ago, but yeah, that's just me being a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's just all sorts of you know they, they keep closing opening restaurants so many have, have not survived like a lot of businesses i don't even know like people don't don't say anything anymore it's 
it's very eerily uh, reminiscent of, of what I've heard about communism. Because I, I was born under communism, but I didn't, I don't remember much of it. But it's, it's that just that resignation, you know, the fact that you know everyone's now at the beginning people weren't wearing the mask for for a while. They were kind of a bit a bit rebellious about it. Now everyone's wearing the mask. You know, can uh, we still have curfew? All sorts, of, all sorts of crazy stuff. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know when it's gonna end. I I feel I I've often said that I feel pretty lucky that um that my sort of square, healthy, uh you know clean cut views are now rebellious. Um, because like you're talking about not wearing the mask because you're a rebel. It's like I think I I I wonder sometimes if I had been born in like the 30s uh and i i sort of had my my temperament my temperament now would i just be sort of non-conformist in the other direction and would would i sort of be like a beatnik or something i don't know the answer but like it's really handy that all of these it's, it's really handy that all these that all these opinions and all these practices and all these behaviors um set me apart as a weirdo and i get to kind of enjoy that that uh that non-conformity uh, without having to hurt myself. Um, and, and you find that a lot with, uh, with these Desnat guys is, um, there, there, you know, there are some of them that are from Utah, but the most, the majority of them are from the, the diaspora. Um, and it does, it does favor guys who were sort of the weird Mormon kid in high school and sort of liked that identity and liked that, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in Utah that, that, think of the church as sort of the evil empire because it's it's the closest sort of institutional authority that they've got handy um and, and we always laugh about it because we're like you know the church is like this one little island of light in this sea of just degeneracy and 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 depravity and they all hate the church and you know like these people who think of themselves as rebels are like taking the side of every corporation every university every politician like like how provincial do you have to be to 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 think that that's the evil empire um but yeah it's it's uh it's definitely like there's definitely an aesthetic to it of like it, it, it's fun to be a rebel and uh i don't know and that's part of why we have a hard time reaching the the, the normie types is because they just don't they just don't have that like and that's 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 their um the big achilles feel for the church in utah is they are uh rule followers and and for the longest time being a rule follower was the right way to be a good member of the church and and now the people making the rules are the degenerates and it's like it it's like it scrambles their circuits they have no they have no antibodies for it they have no way to respond and um i'm kind of looking forward to i hope we lose as few people as possible but i'm kind of looking forward to the church becoming weirdy beardy uh, um, extremists who want to steal your women. I think that was a really healthy <laughs> time for us. And I'd like to go back to that as soon as possible. But was that, was that a, a real time? <laughs> was that like, uh, um, Oh yeah, no, there was, there was, uh, there was, there, <laughs> if you, if you look up um, a, a movie called the Mormon coon, it's about a, uh, it's about a, a, a black Mormon who goes and steals a harem of various women. And it's uh, like the polygamy thing really spooked sort of mainstream America out. And um, 
you know, there, there were cases where uh, one of our one of our apostles was actually um, he, he he brought some guy's estranged wife uh, back to Utah or tried to, and he got shot for it in Arkansas. And there was definitely this like uh, this they were they're definitely viewed as foreign and not even really viewed as white, uh, viewed as sort of this new ethnos that was very scary and dangerous. And uh, you'll find that um, you'll find that a lot of our guys derive their aesthetic from that era of the church because it's a pretty fun, colorful time. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about polygamy as well. I mean, this is kind of the the thing that people know Mormonism for. I mean, being such a such a high high profile thing. Uh, but I also kind of wanted to to see like how how do you think polygamy is different from kind of its its more modern, more rationalistic cousin, um, polyamory, which is like a, another big meme on 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 North circles. I mean, yeah. what why why is it different? What's what's the deal? Well, I mean, fundamentally, it's different because it's patriarchal. Fundamentally, it's different because it's um, there is still the concept of belonging. Um, there is still it is not atomized individuals pursuing sexual pleasure with each other at all. Hmm. Um, it's it's the, the the telos of it is totally different, and um, it it exists for the purpose of families and children and you got i mean you part, partly you got to understand how wrapped up our theology is in the idea of family um because that's not like it's it's not like it's not like we're a christian church that just happens to be super family oriented that's doctrinal it, the, the idea is that uh god is your father in a literal sense that's not a symbol or a metaphor to help you understand this abstract relationship that's beyond your comprehension. He's your dad. And um, you have, you are part of a family and your goal in this life is to grow up to be like him and then to have your own family. And, and, and heaven is an extension of the family experience. It's the glorification and the magnification of everything about family life. That's beautiful. And so a lot of Christian churches will be like, you know, well, we believe marriage is just for this life. And, you know, Paul said it's kind of icky and we're not real big on sex and we're not real big on the flesh. And so like, gosh, I wish we had stronger families. Why don't we be like the Mormons? It's like, well, you can't because you don't, you, you, it is a fundamental difference in values and priorities. It's like for us, this is the thing. That's what life is. And um, it requires that level of belief to do it the way we do it. Um, and, and so in any case, uh, the, the fact that the fact that both systems, poly, polygamy and polyamory are um, different from monogamy and gross to mainstream culture is, in my view, the only thing they have in common. It's mm -hmm. it's, it's an entirely different. Uh, it's predicated on an entirely different belief system about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing, what we're for. Yeah. I think polygamy is probably instinctively more gross to, <clears throat> to to most people because it kind of has that 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 evil component of of, of dominance of owner ownership if, if you know you want to frame it in kind of like the the feminist uh, perspective. Um, or evil to people now, yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, Muslims don't feel that way, and it's it's uh, it, it's it's part and parcel of the idea that hierarchies are always corrupt and always tyrannical. Yeah. Um, and I think they, 
I think it elides the fact that our our men participate in hierarchies and subordinate positions too. And we we're very big on like there being good hierarchies. Um, if my if my well, I mean, you look at you look at our history. Um, I have ancestors that Brigham Young said, "I want you to go uh, build a railroad or dam a river, and then you're going to build a town there, and you're going to live there for the rest of your life. Here's a wife, go do." And that was viewed as, you know, sort of being called on a heroic adventure. It was it was it was a good thing to it was a good thing to be obedient to priesthood authority. And so when we, when we ask, uh, when I ask my wife to be obedient to my priesthood, I don't really have to ask, but like, you know what I'm saying? The part of her deal is to be obedient to my authority to the extent that it's righteous. Um, I'm not making some absurd ask of her that I would not be willing to do myself. If my priesthood authority were to tell me to go and do like, it's, everybody's a part of everybody's a part of this web of um hierarchy is too is too dirty a word now um stewardship stewardship is a better word yeah of, of interdependence as well like um yeah. i mean i'm i'm not part of, of any formal religious religious tradition i mean my my, my husband's i think he's he's anglican and I'm, I'm catholic but like very very loosely um but i think you know in a in a way we we in a secular fashion we've kind of created something very similar for ourselves where there there are very clear lines of authority of um domains where you know there are things that i'm in charge of things that he's in charge of we don't step on each other's toes i defer to him wherever whatever his domain is uh the same goes for me as well and um it's to be honest it's the only system that works i mean i've you know when i was younger i've had i've had relationships where it was kind of like a power struggle because that was you know you you're young and you you want to assert yourself um but um you don't want to be taken advantage of yeah and 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 like that's part of it's you know like what i'm saying about clean houses not getting roaches like there were clear problems with the way men were treating their wives and feminism was a response to real problems i think it was a mistake to view those problems as universal and i think it was a mistake to view the solution as the abandonment of hierarchy but you know in almost all these cases, the solution is not law. The solution is repentance. The solution is spiritual transformation. And, and, and part of the consequence of refusing to govern yourself is that you'll be governed. Uh, someone, will, someone will step in and they'll be right to step in fundamentally. And that's, that's the, uh, that is the spiritual energy that, that, that animates so many elements of this movement. It, it, it's, it's the way we treat the poor it is the way we treat people of other races. I mean, like it's, it's, we like to focus on sort of the counter examples and the, um, the reality on the ground right now. Um, but like there were, there were obviously there were injustices that, 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 that the, that the civil rights movement, I don't, I, you know, I believe the civil rights movement was fundamentally um, a psyop. It was fundamentally a, a, a propaganda campaign. Um, but it would not have succeeded if ordinary people had not had not correctly detected and discerned some legitimacy there and and you know a righteous society would not have gone that way and uh so so 
that that I think helps me to be a little more. Uh, while I, I disagree really strongly with you know the the sort of uh, centrist normies who 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 buy into all that, it, it helps me to not view them as like totally subhuman. Because <laughs> I'm because I'm like all right, yeah. I mean, I get it. I I kind of get it. But like you know, come on, take a step back. Look at what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, in, in like what we were saying before about, you know, kind of equality being the, the basic value of this society that used to be Christian now isn't Christian anymore, but, you know, we still kind of have that value system. It, it does kind of make sense that, you know, whoever wants to weaponize equality and in, in the direction of moral fervor has, has fertile ground. There, there are no, uh, there are no arguments, no, no reasonable arguments against it for, you know, the, the centrist mind. Um, yeah. because, you know, once you throw out Christianity and the idea of hierarchy embedded within, then you don't really have any, any guardrails against this, uh, this, this strain of, uh, of whatever is coming. So it, it right. makes sense. And that's the thing is, is, is Christianity and patriarchy and chivalry and, um, all of these systems were intended to were intended to police the excesses of absolute hierarchy. They were intended to establish rules. Like, I mean, yeah, it's 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 like, well, if, if we're not going to have if we're not going to have rules that that govern these hierarchies, well, then we can't have the hierarchies because then it's just tyranny. And um, what what you're seeing um, on 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 Tinder, and the, you know, because I, I, you must have seen. Uh, there was a pretty big fight with uh, some some rad femmes a while back about um, what women expect of their men and vice versa, and um, it, it's they they view they view the hierarchy as tyrannical, and it's like well now now what you have is the expectation of equality, so the men don't want to um, the men don't want to pay and they don't want to uh, take responsibility and they don't want to lead. And you still want that, but you're also not getting sort of the the tenderness and the exclusivity and the and the the chivalry that was uh, that was the expectation in the hierarchical system, the rules that were in place to govern that hierarchical system. And it's you're getting the worst of both worlds. And and so like while I get uh, maybe the critique of that system as being imperfect, it's like what you have now is so obviously worse. <laughs> and like what. Like, what is your plan? What is your alternative? Yeah, yeah, and and with with Tinder and and you know systems like this where you know you kind of dis disintermediate the 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 meeting people aspect of it, it really does empower you know a, a small fraction of, of men to essentially set the rules for you know the whole dating market, and yeah. the rules they like are probably not you know the the optimal ones for women. Well, so, Genghis Khan rules. I mean, it's it's. Like it couldn't be more tyrannical. Yeah, exactly. It's it's literally the state of nature, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're we're back to um, it's you know po polygamy involves marriage. Uh, this would be yes. polygyny, um, and yeah. quite warlike polygyny. <laughs> well, and as a matter of fact, that that same guy who was murdered in Arkansas, um, he, he wrote <laughs> he wrote some pretty good uh, tracts that he handed out, which was like. You know, and apparently this was true even back then. He was like, look, you know, our men love their wives and take care of them. Like you're, you're an adulterous society and you just use them and throw them away. Like, how is that morally superior? And, you know, that, that again, um, our sort of 
newcomer status and outsider status prevents us from taking too rosy a view of of uh american society or european society historically um because i think these problems have always been they've gotten worse for sure but like yeah. that critique has always been there yeah absolutely um i know we, we've run over a little bit so uh, bef before i let you go i'm going to ask you the question of the show um okay. which is um if you have a, a subversive thinker writer whatever speaker living or dead um that you think might deserve a little bit more uh, limelight, people should hear about, uh, should, you know, should read, um, or should just follow. Um, is, is there someone that comes to mind? Brigham Young, no question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, pe people don't realize the extent to which he was sort of, uh, he talked about everything, and he, and he was right about most of it. Um, just just a, a brilliant, brilliant mind and there's a there's a there's a lecture series by a BYU professor named Hugh Nibley who um, it's called Brigham Young on education and he does sort of a greatest hits of all the all the wildest and most interesting and, and, and good things that Brigham Young said and that's that's probably a good starting point and then after that the journal of discourses so that's my guy Cool. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's a good one. I definitely not, has not been recommended before. So uh, yeah, I think <laughs> people should check it out. Is, is there any place uh, that people can find you, find your work, um, any, anywhere we should be pointing people towards? Just Extra Dead JCB on Twitter. That's me. Okay, perfect. And I do recommend that you follow uh, Extra Dead JCB on Twitter because uh, it's, he's, he's quite the formidable poster and I'm really happy uh, you came on. Thanks so much. It was great to be here. Cheers. If you like what you're hearing, want to see where I take it, and maybe want early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to the AMA, or you just want to support the cause of dissident speech or my work in general, head to my Patreon at patreon.com slash aksubversive. Your donations are what keeps the lights on and makes the show possible, so thank you 